Glorious Rugby Podcast. I'm your co-host, John Patrick, and joining me is my fellow co-host, Alistair Kirschpool, a.k.a. Mr. Chaos, <laughs> AKP. What's with the new nickname? <laughs> is that my nickname now? No one told me. <laughs> well, AKP is your new nickname. I love how Phil DeWolf knows you as, called you AKP, so I love that. But um, you have a lot of aliases now. You're Mr. Chaos because you're voting for Chaos in the Rugby World Cup. So, yeah, I mean, it must be fun to have two nicknames now. Yeah, man of many names. For the longest time, I've, I grew up mostly without nicknames because uh, Alistair is unusual enough in this country that for the most part, people don't give you nicknames when you have an unusual name. So, yeah, interesting territory for me. It's a brave new world. And honestly... I mean, AKP just kind of rolls off the tongue. I just have a lot of fun saying it. I'm surprised more people haven't called you AKP in the past. Well, I've I've only been AKP for uh for uh, well, I guess a, a couple of years now. But it, you know, you when you started calling me AKP, I had, I was still in the middle of changing my name legally, so <laughs> not a lot of people had had the opportunity. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're a popular, well-known personality now radio podcast personality i mean do people call you akp besides me uh only only in rugby context (laughs) okay it's catching on all right all right well alistair you were at the maryland soccerplex this past weekend for that old glory dc season ticket holder event i saw some videos and pictures on social you know despite a little bit of rain you know typical scotland weather what was the experience like? How was it? It was it was good. It was drizzly rather than than really rainy. You know, you could you could walk around and you weren't going to get soaking wet or anything, but it was nice to pick seats out in person. It's always good to figure out what angle you want on the game and it is a, it's a different stadium. There's not as many rows of seats as there are at Segro, so you can't be you know, if you're if you're halfway down at the soccer plex, you're going to be closer to the field, have a lower angle than if you were halfway down at at Segra. But you know, yeah, it looks it looks really good there. It's just such a nice location. Um, yeah. Even with the rain, you can just you just go there and you can see. It's easy to envision everything that they could do with that space. Um, there weren't too many people there. It wasn't. <laughs> I think a lot of people saw the rain and thought, eh, we'll give that yeah. a pass, um, which is unfortunate, but... Um, I'm sure they'll do it again. I have a feeling that they'll probably, they'll probably do that again. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure they'll they'll find ways to, to get people out there. It's just unfortunate timing. What can you do? Did you pick out your seat then? What are your sidelines? Where, where are you sitting? Yeah, I'm in section 103. I'm going to be sort of slightly closer to the fields than, you know, like, four or five rows back which i feel like is a a good place to be to be honest when i'm at a rugby game in person i generally like being a little closer to the field because it's harder to get a good view but you know rugby when you're when it's right there you can just like feel the action it's an experience you don't get on tv and i mean honestly when old glory plays at home i tend to watch it in the stadium and then I tend to watch it again watch the replay on TRN afterwards because it's 
you don't get a you don't get as good a sense of what's actually going on in the game all of the the little details that stuff comes way better through the camera but if you want to just get the like raw feeling and emotion and um, intensity of a game the closer to the field you are the better oh absolutely you you want to hear you want to hear the the, the the sounds of some of those those tackles you want to hear the ball getting kicked off of a boot you want to hear the chirping you want to hear the coaches talking maybe talking to each other you want to hear the interplay between the players and the ref like all that stuff at a rugby match is fantastic just all the different elements that and you know in, in say the nfl by experience right just to compare it you know again you're talking about a stadium that's like 70 80,000 where it's really loud and you're a little further back you can't quite hear you can't get that you know that audit, auditory experience that you can get say at a professional rugby game which i think just heightens the entire uh game but all right exciting stuff akp's got his season tickets picked out we know where he is sitting can't wait for that we're you know we're just a few months away from from february 2024 yeah just a few months away it's getting a little colder yeah you know rugby's on we've got uh namibia and uruguay i'm not going to spoil for anyone i'm a little pushing and shoving that's definitely rugby. It's just good to soon, to, soon to be out of date rugby news that's right that's right that's right hey let's move on over to some ogdc player news real quick um <clears throat> Maybe not a surprise here, but always good to see that Ovori DC has officially re-signed flanker Corey Daniel. You know, unfortunately, Corey Daniel, you know, was hurt for most of all of last season. You know, this was off of the year before where he led the league in tackles with like 250-some. So, again, bringing back uh, a player like Corey Daniel's caliber is awesome. I'm led to believe he's probably healthy. He's got to be a gene to go excited for that AKP. What do you think um, on the news and just kind of how that, how the roster shaping up so far? Yeah, it's cool to have Corey Daniel back. He's one of those guys who's something of a success story, you know, just uh, a huge success story for MLR as a, an avenue for talent um, recognition and, and development for the Eagles. I mean, he, when he signed with Old Glory, he basically hadn't played any rugby ever. Um, you know, he played like a handful of games, um, but quickly. Professional, I'm a professional college wrestler. Yeah, right? he was a college wrestler, and then and a football player, and then he he took up rugby and loved it and really took to it and quickly became a, a, a regular on the team a regular contributor and he didn't you can see that in the way that he plays there's certain things he's really really good at his tackling it's just fantastic his form is so good all of the time he always has a really good sense for who's about to get the ball and then just absolutely smashing them um and that he just has a love of physical contact that can really make a a big difference on the team and then some of his other skills haven't really caught up yet. I mean, his passing is is rudimentary, or at least it, it was. I'm hoping that given some time with injury, not being able to do the more physical parts of rugby, the, the tackling and all that, he's just spent a lot of time throwing a ball around and, and hopefully his other skills are catching up with his tackling ability. But even, even with that, he... 
was capped by the Eagles um, before his before his entry, and that is really cool too. I mean, it's cool to have another old glory player playing for the Eagles, and hopefully, if he's healthy, he can get get back into that conversation. But also, just the the speed with which he went from basically never seen a rugby ball before to capped by the Eagles is, is something impressive. So really cool that he's he's coming back. I mean, you always expected it. And he was at the the event on Sunday, so it wasn't a wasn't a huge surprise. I think his brother was there as well, Brady Daniel, so I would assume he's probably coming back. Uh JAMA was there and healthy. JAMA had surgery on his shoulder and seems to be well recovered. He's not going to he was saying he's not going to play for the Eagles this year. Um just Oh, in November. Be, yeah, he's not going to be yeah. recovered in time for that. So he's just going to be easing back into it. Should be good to go for next season, which is always good to hear. Uh also saw I think I saw Koi Koi Nelligan at um at the event. So that's another another name who's probably coming back. I did hear about some players who left, though. Um, Doug Frazier retired. Um, he's been a classic on the team since, I mean, he was there in, in since 2020. Uh, had a little less playing time in, in the later years, and I think he's just ready to, was ready to call it quits. And it was also uh, Junior Sow. I got some confirmation that he's not coming back. So he's not doing a splitting time. Yeah, because okay. he signed for, yeah, he, the last couple of years he's split time between, because he was, he was, he played rugby league basically his whole professional career. And then he came to Old Glory to give Union a shot and he split time. He'd play the MLR season and then go play like the second half of the the Super League. I think it's called Super League. Anyway, whatever the English called the called their uh, rugby league competition for the Kaylee Cougars. And then this year though, he's he's signed on. He's gonna play just league. A frequent a frequent uh partner of his on the wing, um Penny Lasanga sounds like he's not coming back either. Um, okay. I, I didn't catch where he's going, but Yeah. That's okay. That's uh an unfortunate loss he yeah but then again he was also having to sort of struggling for some playing time this past year because frankly we we were running out of foreign player slots and our our domestic wingers were better than our domestic players in other spots so um he played a bit at fullback too and looked pretty good i hope he lands somewhere he's a, a very talented player is that it i mean i hope I don't want to, you know, I don't want the rest of my day to be ruined if there's other player movements or rumors you're hearing. So there, there were more rumors, which I probably will, I'll, I'll hold off on making because the, they're not confirmed or, or clear yet. Um, sounds like a bunch of players are going to be coming over from Europe, um, connections for, from, uh, Simon Cross, the new head coach, he's bringing in some people he knows from Northern Hemisphere rugby. And then, yeah, sounds like there might be some more changes and um, player movement. Oh, uh, 
another player I forgot who won't be coming back. It sounds like uh, Kyle Stewart, the prop, is mm. um, not coming back to Old Glory. I don't have any more information on that, but uh, that's yeah. what I heard. Yeah, those are some big updates. I mean, we, God, I would have done a shorter intro had I known <laughs> you're sitting on this. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it's don't want to steal Old Glory's thunder on any of their announcements, um, any of the new players they've got coming in, but I figured the, they don't usually announce players who are leaving, so I feel like this is a good time to to get that out there. Kyle Stewart played a, a has played a ton of rugby for us the the past two years. Um, I mean, if you think back to when we had a the scrum was terrible in 2020 and then it was it was great in 2021 and then 2022 was a a little shaky or we didn't really know how we were going to replace the the front row that had all left for Europe at the end of 2021 and and he was one of the guys that stepped up and did a a really good job with that so it does raise a question of who we're going to end up with on our front row we already didn't have a whole ton of props. I think we only had eight props last year, and two of them were rookies. Um, actually, I could be inflating that number. No, we had only eight front rowers in total. Three of them were hookers, and there were only five props. And you need at least four on a team. Koi Koi is coming back. Yeah, it's just it's just one of those things. There's there's going to be a lot of new names on in the front row, I think um, just because if you remove one, you now only have seven front rowers and that's too few. There's got to be at least one or two new front rowers coming in. We'll, we'll see what everyone else is doing. Well, I'll tell you what, I mean, like OGDC, they're not the only MLR club that are making some moves and I'm surprised they haven't actually moved in on this rugby ATL slash LA, whatchamacallit's fire sale because it's seemingly every club in MLR is poaching players from this new LA franchise in exchange for salary cap consideration. So just, uh, we're not going to list them all, but some of the bigger ones, the Houston Sabercats, they love their South Africans on that squad. They acquired Johan Momsen and Justin Basson from this LA franchise. So those, those are two big additions to a, a Houston team. AKP, uh, I think there's been a couple other um, sales. Uh, Vili Halu, who, um, I think San Diego, he's now in, in San Diego. Uh, obviously, the Toronto Arrows have, have gotten a couple players from, you know, the rugby ATL LA situation. We know a couple of players are on the LA team, you know, Jordan uh, Chait, who, Chait, Chait, I know it. And every time I want to say it, I say it wrong. So Jordan, he's on LA. I mean, what is going on there? Like, this is almost going to be like a completely a completely new team. We don't even know who the head coaches are. <laughs> I mean, that was the way we were talking about it when we when this news came out too. I I did say at the time, think of this as a completely new side. They might have some of the same players, but it's it's new owners. It's a city on the other side of the country. It's not. It's not going to be anything familiar as, as Rugby ATL. Rugby ATL is dead, and this is a new side that happens to have acquired the playering rights to all the ATL players. And I I would imagine there's a lot of players who just, you know, maybe LA isn't a, a place they want to live, not a place they want to move, or they've got 
other coaches they want to co- play for. They want some more certainty. And they just decided, I'd, I'd imagine that the players themselves were, were pushing for a number of these changes. And then I'm sure the owners and the if they've got a coach in place or they're talking to someone, they're starting to build out a roster. They're, they're going to have players they prefer and don't prefer. And I'm sure they were. Well, AKP, I mean, the Dallas Jackals, another team that's jumping on the fire sale. They acquired Flanker, Eightman, uh, Damon Torres. So that's another player now Dallas adding to their roster. The Miami Sharks are actually, they um, acquired a couple of, uh, domestic players here, which is interesting. One flanker, Chase Shore Haskin. He he's kind of a he's he's I guess he's kind of been involved in the Eagle Sevens program for a little bit. hasn't played very much in MLR. He's on the Miami roster, um, and then Wing Connor Burns, another young wing. I think he's going to be domestic eligible here, maybe in the next year or so. He was on Utah's roster just, you know, wasn't able to see the field very much. So, you know, Miami's starting to probably look at their international slots and say, holy crap, we're running out. We need some more domestic players. Um, you know, there's more to come on all that. But, uh, yeah, it's 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 fun to see some of these these movements taking place. And, again, I, I can't wait to see what this LA team's going to look like. Yeah, it's it's a fun time of year for – you just get to speculate and imagine and and no one can call you on any wrong predictions right now because it's all just up in the air. None of it none of it actually counts yet. Yeah, speaking of preseason rankings, which I love doing, uh, last year I I got lucky and, and nailed New England beating San Diego. I think we're gonna have Houston. It's still early still, a lot lot to happen. I think we're gonna move Houston up there preseason rankings to challenge San Diego in the West. So we'll see there. Quickly on on, on the East, uh, it sounds like New England Free Jacks under LaRue Milan, who had that injury that looked, looked pretty bad against New Zealand. It sounded like he had surgery like hours after it took place. It wasn't as bad, and it sounds like his recovery is going to be pretty quick, maybe four to six months, six months max. So like – should be ready uh, for the MLR season. So good news there for New England fans, certainly. Um, you know, you want to make sure a guy is, is healthy and coming back from something like that. But, uh, yes, yeah, certainly a lot more moves to be made around MLR uh, in this offseason. We'll continue to track all of those. But, AKP, i got to bring up this next thing here. Uh, you, you probably saw the news here, uh, the Rugby Network has acquired the rights to show Premiership Rugby for the next two seasons. So MLR fans who subscribe to the Rugby Network, you can now watch Premiership Rugby on the Rugby Network. That's pretty interesting. Yeah, it's a big move from uh, TRN to pick up those rights. And they've picked up, in the past, they picked up some Japan League One, like they'd pick up a game a week or something. But to just pick up the the whole one of the the top leagues in the world, top four leagues in the world, and acquire those exclusive rights over here, you do sort of wonder what the deal looks like on the back end. There's a chance that you got to think that they might start experimenting with maybe a paid tier for TRN because those rights kind of come cheap 
or maybe they did. Who knows? But um, I mean, I know that Peacock was already talking about, or there were rumors that they were not going to renew. Uh, they were not going to buy up the the Premiership rights in the future. But then, you know, there is always a uh, flow. Everyone's favorite uh, service to hate, Flow Rugby, who could have potentially bought those rights and i'm glad they didn't i'm glad it's on trn it'll be it seems to be available for free now if you want to go back and watch some replays of of premiership games they're they're there right now who knows what it looks like in the future whether that's going to be paid i wouldn't mind paying for that especially if that helps get the service some income and you know the trn is owned by the mlr owners so that money there's going to be some profit there for MLR. And I feel like this is an important step in the Rugby Network's growth. They sort of needed to become this eventually, so I'm glad that they can... It's a cool place to start. And it helps that Premiership is one of the, the leagues that I actually watch, and so I, I'm excited to have that easily available. Yeah, I'm excited to watch it too. I I, I enjoyed watching it on peacock and i just yeah i wonder you brought up a good point I just wonder how much uh the rugby network mlr owners are, are paying for it it's it's only a two-year deal so it's a short deal and um yeah we'll see what the future looks like in terms of you know how is it going to be a an ad supported subscription model is there some component that still remains free i think we were talking about it maybe mlr games remaining free again this is all just speculation on our part so we have no idea, but there's certainly costs associated with with all this. So we'll see. But certainly exciting stuff. And um, if you're a fan of a major rugby competition here in the U.S., again, just you know, if it remains free, great. More people will be able to watch it. Uh, at least the, the diehard rugby fans, though, right? Like if you're not necessarily a rugby fan and you're not really going to the rugby network, and you you know you have a Peacock account because you know. You watch Bravo and other shows or something, you know, are you potentially, are we potentially missing out on fans who, or, you know, people who aren't familiar with rugby, just not seeing it now because they're not going over to the rugby network. I don't know. But yeah, that is a tough one. Ideally you want some rugby on normal linear broadcast television, but to be honest, it's, we've already had that and it hasn't, doesn't seem to have made a huge difference to the, the reach of rugby. I feel like it's more important to have a space where when, you know, someone gets interested in rugby one way or another, whether that's through MLR or the World Cup or something like that, then they have a place where they can go and they can find more rugby easily and not put it and not behind a, a massive paywall that that really stalls their their momentum as a fan. Because you get a lot of people who are, you know, might be fans have the potential to become fans but then you you they come up against flow rugby's massive paywall and it's like nope not going to do that it's not worth it for something that i may or may not be interested in or you get it's so hard to find some games i mean i don't think you're there is a legal way to stream the pro d2 in the u.s i think i'm pretty sure there is not there's no legal way to to watch that content which for me is just that's stupid there's <laughs> why how that has come to be why no one has been like 
sell access to it for for some amount of money and you might not make a ton of money even if you don't promote it at all so i'm hoping that the rugby network can really become a way for a home for all the rugby content worldwide you know you can you'll be able to find all those leagues in there and maybe each one is it is its own subscription so that you don't have to put up a massive paywall you can you sort of pick and choose which ones you want but i think i think just having that there having a making it clear if you're a if you're a new rugby fan how do you watch more rugby making that that question easy to answer making it a, a clear route of like go to the rugby network watch some of the free stuff that's there if you're liking it watch some you know maybe subscribe to one of the pro leagues overseas that's uh, a higher level of rugby if you're really loving it you know subscribe to more stuff watch more stuff you know it, it sort of can naturally build it doesn't have to be there's not just like okay you can find a small amount for free and then everything is very expensive after that you know just not having that jump well i'm excited premiership the new season kicks off in october i think october 13th is the first game Again, as we mentioned, you'll be able to watch it on the Rugby Network. So much rugby to watch. I just don't have enough time in the day. So I'm staying up late at night watching these games, going to bed too late, but that's okay. That's okay. I guess there could be other things to complain about. But AKP, let's move on. I want to chat briefly here. USA Women's Eagles news real quick. They are in Wales playing the Welsh national team ahead of the WXV2 competition, which is taking place in South Africa in a couple of weeks. This is the – it's a test game. So it's the first game for new interim head coach Milton Haig, who comes by via U.S. – comes to the U.S. via New Zealand. I don't know if there are streaming details out yet. I think they're still kind of TBD. Um, but uh, Women's Eagles rank seventh in the world. Wales women rank sixth in the world. You got to think that women's Eagles want to put out a good effort here. This is a winnable game in the sense that, you know, they should be beating those teams that are just right below that, you know, tier one level. But, you know, I guess we'll, we'll, we'll see this weekend and hopefully we'll be able to watch it. Uh, AKP, um, you know, what, what are your thoughts? Just on the, I know we touched on this a little bit last week, but, you know, with the WXV competition coming up and the women's Eagles seemingly, you know, can't quite get back up to that tier one status. How is it? Do they need to get a win here? Is this a must win game? Is that even? I don't think it's a must win game, but I do think it is. It's one of those where you have to, to show the beginnings of something, you know, you want to see whether they win or lose is sort of irrelevant, but if they, they show a lot of really good things and you're like, Oh, I can see where they're going with this, you know, a new identity or a, you know, I know that they're bringing in some new players too. So if those new players play well, and you say, oh, "Okay, well, we're we're headed," you want to see them heading in the right direction. I think that's that's the important bit. New coach, it's I, game one for a new coach is never never a must win game. I think. Yeah, he's been there for a couple of weeks, two weeks yeah. maybe. <laughs> you know, myself and uh, Bill Baker from Eagles Overseas, we chatted with Milton Hay and Kate Zachary for U.S. Rugby Happy Hour Live. And the thing that I took away from that conversation, we asked him, you know, you know, what can you draw from the Black Ferns experience, right? Coaching, playing in New Zealand. 
And what I'm most excited about was he talked about how they really instill an attacking style of rugby down there. So moving the ball, scoring points. What rugby fan doesn't want to hear that, right? And I think I think we've got we have the athletes, we've got good players. Maybe we've been bogged down a little bit, you know, just kind of on the approach. But I perked up and was like, yeah, we're going to try and play some attacking rugby. We want to score points. I'm all ears. Sounds good to me. Oh, maybe we'll see five, six tries. Let's go. I mean, like, run it up on that scoreboard. So absolutely. Yeah. Right. We'll see. We will see. Hey, KP, I let off the episode by giving you another nickname, Mr. Chaos. We'll see how long that sticks, if it does at all. But you've been rooting all along in the Rugby World Cup for Chaos, which I love. We've got another interesting weekend of games coming up here. Right now, Namibia and Uruguay are playing. I'm not sure when this podcast is going to come out. uh, But there's potentially more chaos here if Namibia was able to, to nab. I believe this would be their first Rugby World Cup win. And it was funny. Funny because you, last night slash this morning in my newsletter, I asked the question, who is going to win, Uruguay versus Namibia? 96% of respondents said that Uruguay was going to win this game. And right now, Namibia playing really well. I think they've gotten maybe like an eight-point lead. But Mr. Chaos, uh, there's been more chaos that last weekend there. You know, your, your boys in England, I guess, have kind of figured it out a little bit. They, they figured out that in rugby, you have to score points. I, ideally tries to win games. So if it looks like they're scoring tries. What's his name? Scored five of them? Oh, yeah. Arundel. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Not going to argue with the English performance. I feel like they're just two different teams right now. There's a team that never wants to touch the ball, preferably. They'd rather just uh, kick it away at all times. And then there's a an England team that can score five tries from one player and and you know dominate their opponents. And I have I have no idea what's going on. I they keep winning, and that's <laughs> I'll take it. Yeah, why not? Yeah, they're 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 playing well right now. Uh, plus, they've got some selection decisions uh, to make here, right? In their next game, your boy Owen Farrell will be returning. That's got to be exciting stuff. Yeah, I I don't know. I've never <laughs> been a big Farrell fan. Uh, you are a fan of chaos and. Things are chaotic down in the land of the Wallabies. What is going on with Australia? Their current head coach is taking Zoom interviews with Japan. Yeah. What is going on on the field? Oh, I I love describing this situation to people. You know, six months before the World Cup, England fires a head coach. Australia fires their head coach, hires England's former head coach. And then... And Australia has a hell of a time. They've, I mean, they looked they looked good against Georgia, and they clearly have talent. But man, they just look so easy to neutralize. I guess they just don't have any ability to turn any of it into winning rugby. I mean, they didn't look Fiji. They looked they got outmuscled. Fiji just just went at them full bore the whole game and wrestled that win away from them they were they you know came at it with all the heart 
and all of the physicality needed to win. And then Wales, they just, Wales was just better. And Wales didn't even have to be that good. They just, they were just better. I can't believe Wales is 3-0. and uh, you know, the, with the with the turmoil that they had going into this Rugby World Cup, a lot of people seemingly thought that there's no way Wales advances out of that pool. They're at the top. They've got three wins. It's just crazy. Yeah. Imagine, imagine the uh, the other team to fire their head coach six months before the tournament. They're the ones who have uh, or were the first to secure their their spot in the quarterfinals. What's going on? Chaos. That's what's going on. I love it. Georgia and Portugal, watching that match, awesome match to watch. You know, you, you felt for Georgia because they needed that win because, you know, I, I think going into this, they, they uh, sized up their opponents and said, hey, we got a good shot here at getting out of this pool, and, and they still do. Portugal sitting here, you know, 78, 79 minutes into this game, like we can win our first Rugby World Cup game right here. They scored the try at the end. They just got to get the conversion. Maybe it was a penalty. I can't quite remember. A makeable kick, you know, a makeable kick. Poor guy just couldn't get it. But everyone on that field so dejected when the game ended just because they knew they, they both blew, you know, I shouldn't say blew it. They, they both had an opportunity to win that game. It slipped away from both of them, and they just looked so dejected walking off the field. But chaos there again, you know, Portugal could almost – have gotten their first win, and Georgia probably should have won that game, but it didn't happen. I mean, just, you know, chaos. I, when I saw the scoreline and I watched the game, I was like, KKP's got to be smiling right now. Yep. Yeah, you love to see it. And it, it sucks for both fan bases, but it's also, I feel like we've never had this much discussion about Tier 2 nations at World Cups. Like, everyone is pretty hype for all of the tier two nations. And that is also just cool to see. It's the tier two games in some ways have been some of the best games. I mean, Ireland, South Africa was a, was a really high quality game, but you know, Georgia, Portugal, that was a better game than Wales, Australia. Yeah, I agree. I think that, and there's been there's been a lot of chatter of the performance of the tier two nations and, and the lack of resources and stuff and the, the disrespect maybe coming from world rugby compared to tier one nations you know and I think it's being exposed here you know and there's more talk about expanding the rugby world cup which sounds like it's going to happen for the next one you know adding four more teams which is great and all you definitely don't want though there have been some tier one tier two games that have gotten out of hand right we, we've seen a few of those but for the for, Across the board, for the most part, Tier 2 is, has performed really well and admirably, um, which is great. And I think this has just shown that like there's, there's natural randomness in rugby. And there's also, you know, teams can, can play, you know, it's like, yeah, England is a better team than Chile. But they're not, they're not going to be a 70-point better team every day of the week. Yeah. You know, there's... There's games where that's going to be a really close game. There's games where that's going to be, you know, 70 points for England. But, and not every team, tier one team, is always going to be top quality. Australia is going for, through a tough time. Wales really isn't, despite everything, that good right now. You know, Fiji having a moment. Now, is Fiji always going to be good? No. But I feel like in world rugby, there's this, this like, 
there are the good teams, the tier one, and they're always going to be good and we really don't care about anyone else. And it's like, you got to let these teams move up and move down and get good and get bad naturally. And when they get good, they ought to be at the top and be at the big stage and playing the other good teams. And when they're they're less good, they ought to, to drop down and find themselves. And even when they're not, when they've dropped down, when they're lower down, they still should have the opportunity to play those teams at the top. And that was an interesting, there was interesting comments from Chile's head coach yeah. after the England match where he said, you know, my players couldn't keep up after 20 minutes. And it's because they really don't get any opportunities to play this sort of game. This is the first they're getting to play a team of the quality of England. They have no practice at this. They haven't, they have no opportunity to get good at this sort of thing because they never get the they just never get given the opportunity and world rugby i mean they put out that absolutely atrocious plan to basically ring fence tier 1 and give them no games against tier 2 nations and it's it's ridiculous it's and i think this has shown that it's ridiculous it's we've seen these countries that are just outside of tier one and putting up really good fights, really, really good rugby and sort of proving that they have, they have earned the right to play these nations. And then, you know, world rugby says, okay, but only once every four years, Yeah, you'll get, you'll get a, like a handful of matches against tier one nations every four years. And then the rest of the time we don't care. And I just, I don't know. <sighs> world rugby. And on top of that, while we're complaining about world rugby, if you want an example of how backwards and stupidly run that organization is, try finding uh, finding highlights of, of the World Cup. They're hard to find. They keep uh, taking people's stuff down. They keep complaining anyone, anytime anyone tries to talk about the World Cup and it's, or, you know, watch highlights or share, you know, important moments. And it's like, these guys who run this thing have no idea how to engage with their audience. I I would fire everyone in world rugby tomorrow. If you put me in charge, there were people like as a person who does marketing professionally, it it like <laughs> these people ought to be fired. Well, it's funny because like you can point to here in the U.S. and there's there's two things and these are longer episodes that we could go on for another hour on this. But what the NBA did really well here in the U.S. was and you know when social media is really coming around and people were really you know following players more and learning more about them. They basically said, "Hey, on social media highlights, boom, free, blast it out there, let people engage." And we're talking about one of the premier you know, professional sports league, not only in the U.S., but around the world. And they're saying, hey, look, yeah, we've got some partners here, you know, who are paying us big dollars for certain things, but we want highlights to be shown pretty freely on social media. That's how fans get excited and how things kind of take off. What? There's a, such a huge disconnect here from, from World Rugby, and you wonder why there's – everyone keeps calling them dinosaurs and the game hasn't quite evolved. And Because you just look what's happening there. You can't – you, you can only see highlights from certain places. You're not letting Squidge Rugby and others do their thing. You know, it's I agree with you. It's it just seems so silly and, and backwards looking. But yeah, 
like you say, could go on about that forever. <laughs> my other point is, my other point is, as we're talking tier two nations and stuff, USA Rugby, Canada, get your shit together, okay? Because Chile, Uruguay, these other countries in rugby, we're going to get left behind here if we don't start figuring this stuff out and figuring it out soon. So, but no more needs to be said on that. We Absolutely. can talk more about that in a little bit. All right, AKP, last little bit here. Um, I'm going to read off for your closing thoughts here. I'm going to read off the matches this weekend. You're going to tell me if there's only one match you can watch this weekend, this is the one to watch. Okay, so tomorrow or Friday, Thursday, if this is out in time, Japan versus Samoa, Friday, New Zealand, Italy, Saturday, Argentina versus Chile, also on Saturday, Fiji versus Georgia, and then Scotland versus Romania closes out Saturday. On Sunday, you've got Australia versus Portugal, and then South Africa versus Tonga. Closing thoughts, what is the one match rugby fans should watch this weekend at the Rugby World Cup? Fiji versus Georgia. Why? It's going to be tough. It's going to be physical. Fiji, though, they always love their offloads. They play a fun brand of rugby. Should be really close, really competitive. Um, if if that one doesn't work out for you, Australia versus Portugal, just because Portugal has a real shot in that match. I'm looking for chaos this weekend in the Rugby World Cup. Continuing that theme that gives you such a big smile. I love it. For my co-host, Halister Kirschpool, I am John Fitzpatrick. You've been listening to another episode of the Glorious Rugby Podcast. Stay tuned next week as I come up with another nickname for AKP. We shall see you.